to the Comedy Sports Podcast. Starring your host, Christine Rolo Capriolo. And now, the man from Wisconsin who left us all alone, Jeff Nondary Kramer. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this edition of the Comedy Sports Podcast. I'm Christine Rolo Capriolo. Today, I'm super excited. I get to talk to Jeff Kramer all the way from San Jose. Jeff, thanks for being here. You're welcome. Thanks for flying me in. You're welcome. It's, it only cost a couple bucks, so I'm really glad you could make it. This is super awesome. I appreciate it. And it's a write-off for you. It really is. It's just no big deal. <laughs> So, Jeff, tell me, I'd like to ask everybody at the beginning, where were you born and raised? I was actually born in New York City. Um, My dad uh, was in retail, so he worked at all of the big department stores in New York, uh, Macy's and Bloomingdale's and uh, Gimbel's and all of those. So that's where I was born, and we lived in New York and then outside of New York, and then eventually they moved to the suburbs and Connecticut. Okay. And uh, so I grew up on the East Coast. Oh, I didn't know that. Then did you go Mm -hmm. to school in Madison, Wisconsin? I went to grad school in Madison. So I did my undergrad at Penn State and then uh, Wisconsin for graduate school. Okay. And were you studying theater? Yeah. Yeah. I was a got a uh, BFA at Penn State and then I got my MFA at Wisconsin and yeah, it was in theater and performance. Okay. Why did you pick Wisconsin? Well, that's interesting because uh, I had gotten accepted at a few places and I had actually gotten accepted at USC and my Mm -hmm. heart was set on going there because I was thinking, you know, this is great and it's LA and uh, I was going to go there for school. And then I was just getting ready to go out there and look for apartments. And Mm -hmm. I get a call from Del Lewis at University of Wisconsin. And he said, uh, look, we've got uh, an opening. And they they had accepted me already, but I decided that I was going to go to USC. Okay. Uh, And uh, so he called me and said, you know, we we had one of our grad students uh, drop out and I actually have a full TA ship Oh. available for you if you want it, which was basically a free ride you right. know, through school yeah, and getting paid to teach and everything. And so, but it was Wisconsin. I'd never even heard of Wisconsin. <laughs> right. That was and, why I asked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I, uh, I actually talked to my advisor at Penn State okay. and it turned out that she had gone to Wisconsin. No, really? And had studied, uh, you know, in, in there under a professor that was still there. And she said, look, uh, here's what you should do. Go and look at both schools. Mm-hmm. And by the time you come back, you'll have made your decision. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I didn't believe her. I was like, uh, how can I, you know, I'm, you're not going to change my mind or whatever. So right. that was interesting. I, I went to on the same trip, you know, first I went to Wisconsin, yeah. met the people there. They were great. They uh-huh. were amazing, you know, so nice and friendly and, you know, everybody was asking great questions and they were very interested in saying, oh, we hope, you know, you'll come. And the, the department secretary actually said, are you looking at other schools? Yeah. Said, yeah, I'm looking at uh, USC. And she went, no, you're not. You don't want to go there. You want to go here. <laughs> 
uh, I, I went to USC right out. I flew from Wisconsin directly to LA and, you know, looked at the school there and I just, uh, the attitude of the people there was very, very different. Yeah. They just didn't, they didn't even know I was coming, even though I had told them I was coming. They were like, who are you? And oh, so yeah. it was that kind of attitude, sure. but I still wanted to go there. You know, just the, the idea of yeah. between those two places. And so I'm on the flight coming back. And I literally was like, I, I can't make up my mind. I need a sign. And they brought a snack tray to everybody. Yeah. You know, this was in the day when you got food. when you Sure. Flew. Yeah. Food on a plane. And, and I didn't even have to pay for it. Wow. Um, but anyway, they're, so they bring me this like fruit and cheese tray <laughs> yeah. and I pick up this piece of cheese and in huge letters on it, it says made in Wisconsin. <laughs> on the cheese. On the cheese, a true story. And I went, okay, There's if I was looking for a sign, I just got it. Nice. And if that hadn't happened, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. Really? Interesting. Oh, yeah, because I, I decided to go to Wisconsin. And in my beginning of my third year, uh, Wisconsin, the summer of 1985, my uh, advisor said, hey, there's this guy and he has this improv show that he started in Milwaukee and he wants mm -hmm. to see if he can get one going in Madison. Yeah. And he asked me if I had any theater students that liked improv. Yeah. And I'd done a little bit of, of improv, but nothing formal, just in acting classes. And I enjoyed doing it. Right. And he said, uh, this guy's coming in on Sunday. Uh, so can you just go and talk to him? I told him I'd send him a couple of students. Okay. So my friend Dave Miller and I went to meet him and it was this little guy and he <laughs> said, yeah, he said, Hey, uh, you know, we're doing this show and he starts telling us about it. And yeah. he tells us about the brown bag foul and the idea of it. Uh -huh. And he has us the just the two of us play. What are you doing? Okay. So Dave and I play, what are you doing? And we have a lot of fun. Yeah. And he says, okay, I'm going to start coming back next week. And the plan is we're looking for people to form a company and we're going to start training people and we're going to be doing a show starting in September. Okay. So this was, this was probably in June. Okay. And he said, can you just get a bunch of other people that you know that you think could do this mm -hmm. and I'll be back next week. So between Dave and I, we just started asking all of our friends and they asked a, a few friends of theirs. So, uh, Dave was in a show at the time with a woman named Jennifer Rupp. <laughs> sure. I've heard of her. <laughs> uh, and yes, uh, I was currently doing a play that summer uh -huh. and I had just met this guy literally the first day of rehearsal. You know how you just kind of click with people on oh, the first, yeah. you know, when you first meet them. Yeah. So I clicked with this guy the first day of rehearsal and it, and it was Mike Rock. Okay. And I said, hey, there's this guy I met and next Sunday you got to come with me because I, I think you'd be really good at this show. Yeah. And so we just got a bunch of our friends, probably a dozen of us showed up the following Sunday. Okay. And Dick was there and uh, Karen Kohlberg was there as well. And they just started training us. They told us about what they were going to do and we've got a place. It was the Hoffman House motel, which Dick already talked about, and we're going to start training. And so we trained for, I think it was eight weeks okay. and it was eight hours each Sunday. 
Nice. Okay. So we would, we would somehow get ourselves out of bed. You know, we're all in college, right? So it's not like we're not staying up late on Saturday nights. Right. Right. <laughs> so we're somehow, somehow all of us are getting ourselves out of bed Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And by nine o'clock, we're at the Hoffman house and we're training. Yeah. And it's literally nine, nine to 12, take a break for lunch. Sure. One to five or six. Yeah. And, you know, and then we're back the next week. So, I mean, it was like boot camp. It was improv boot camp. John Bank came in a few times and and helped us out. And yeah, we just we just got they would show us a game and drill us in the games. Okay. And that's what was going on. Wow. And that continued for, you know, eight weeks. Sure. And then we were ready to to open. And I just remember that first night. Because we were in this, Dick had a hotel room or it was probably a suite, but uh-huh. at the Hoffman house, you know, a suite was just a bigger hotel room. And he said, all right, I want all of you to close your eyes mm-hmm. and I just want you to picture this. I want you to picture this becoming like the NFL or Major League Baseball or the NBA. Mm-hmm. And I want you to picture us being in, right now we're in Milwaukee and we're in Madison, but I want you to picture us being in 25, 30 cities across the country and you're doing home and away matches and you're traveling. Yeah. And, and we all just pictured it and nobody laughed about it either. Everyone just thought, yeah, that would be great. Right. And then we went out and did this show and it killed. I mean, it was just a great show. Yeah. Because it was all of our friends. Sure. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) And I was, I was teaching a, I was teaching a couple of theater classes, you know, as a grad student. So uh-huh. I gave all my students extra credit if they came to see the show <laughs> and laugh. So that I was responsible for probably 40 of the 150 that were there, right? you know, and everyone else, you know, friends and family and they packed the place. So of course it was a great show. Oh, that's fantastic. And we just went on from there, but right. it was just amazing. Yeah. And yeah. Isn't it? I just hearing everybody's stories and when people talk about meeting Dick Chudnow, I just it just makes me smile to think that we all have this connection because of this one man and he's so wonderful. And I just love hearing everybody's stories about how they crossed paths with him. Yeah. You know, I mean, people say funny things about Dick, uh, I, you know, and I do as as well. But he completely changed my life. Exactly. I mean, if, if I. If I hadn't met him again, I, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you now. Right, right. You know, because of because of him, I started doing that show. Yeah. Um, when he found out that I was, you know, leaving, I finished up my degree, and that was about the time that they were wanting to expand. And he said, "When you get out there, I want you know, are you interested in starting a show out there?" And I was coming out here because I got a job with a children's theater in San out Jose. Here in San Jose. Okay. And. Uh, and I said, yeah, I'd love to start. I mean, I'm going to have this other job, but I don't want to stop doing this show. That would be great. Yeah. And he said, you know, all right, when you get out there, you know, let me know and we'll work on that. And, you know, that's, that's how I got started out here was I was, I was here anyway, (laughs) but it was, it was all in the timing, you know, it was right at the time when they were looking to start expanding. And what year was that? Uh, that was, so I moved out here in August of 86, and it took me about a year because I was involved in this children's theater and there's a lot of touring mm-hmm. going on. And it took a while to, you know, 
I didn't know the area. So finding right. a, a space and then finding people. Right. And I just did the, you know, the Madison, Milwaukee blueprint. You know, I looked yeah. for people and said, okay, we're going to train for on Sundays yeah. <laughs> for six to eight hours. <laughs> right. And, you know, and find a couple of friends and then they found friends and, you know, that's, that's how it worked. Um, so you were only in Madison the, for a year doing comedy sports. Yeah. Okay. It was a year in, in Madison okay. and in two or three different places, which I realized was later going to be the norm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Where were you there? What place? I'm trying to remember. Uh, well, I was there, you know, we, we you, opened in Madison in 1985. Was that Pizza Hut? Uh, no, that, well, that was the Hoffman house. Oh, right. was the, the Hoffman first house. Yeah. You know, and then we, uh, we finished up the run there. It was just like an eight week run at okay. the Hoffman house. Yeah. And, uh, we were all thinking that, well, I guess we're done because they had told us we were just going to be there for eight weeks. And I think they wanted to put something else in this ballroom. Okay. Um, some, I remember <laughs> talking about, they were trying to find ways to buy people to, uh, you know, eat the buffet and stuff. So I think they were going to put this horrible buffet in there or something. And we were, we were doing our last show. And I, this was a great moment because unbeknownst to us, yeah. Dick was looking for another space. Okay. And he, he brought the person that was in charge of this other space to see this show, our last show. Okay. And I guess that's what, I guess that's what cinched the deal. You know, this guy watched it sure. and said, oh yeah, this will be great. It was, it was a bar that I think was called Zingers. <laughs> it changed names like six times, even in the year I was in Madison. <laughs> I don't even know what it <laughs> yeah. is now. Sure. Uh, so, but I remember we, we were, we finished the last round and then, uh, Jennifer was refing and she said, all right, everyone, we want to thank you so much for coming out. Uh, this is our last week here at the Hoffman house. We're not sure where we're going to be afterwards, but you know, if we find a space, we'll let you know. And all of a sudden we hear, wait, hold everything. And it's Dick. <laughs> and he comes running up onto the stage yeah. and he goes, starting next week, we're going to be at Zingers on Washington <laughs> Street or wherever it was. And the place erupts and we went nuts. And Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did he trip when he ran up on the stage, by the way? No, uh, he wanted that to be serious. So he did not do a pratfall. Oh, there. Okay. But- <laughs> Because I could see it in my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, this was like a big. This was like a big thing. So he wanted to make sure everybody, okay. everybody knew that he was ser- he was being serious about it. Okay. Now you mentioned you were on a plane and you needed a sign and you saw the Made in Wisconsin cheese <laughs> stamp. Right. So have you ever like? Do you believe in signs? Have you looked to other? Have you looked for signs for other things? Do you think in your life? I think they've happened whether I've asked for them or not. Yeah. There's just been something where when I've had to make a decision, it was just, the, it, it appeared there in front of me. Okay. And it, it wasn't that hard to make the decision yeah. on what to do. Yeah. I don't know. That's just curious to me. I like that. I like that. <laughs> Made in Wisconsin. Yeah. Well, but that, I mean, that was for, for that one, when people ask, you know, was there a turning point in your life? And that absolutely was. Right the turning point yeah. you know, in, in my life. Because yeah. if I had, it was a simple matter of where do you go to school, but that just set up everything going forward for me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And now it's just, it. yeah, you're right. I mean, do you ever wonder what if you went to USC, how everything would be so different? Oh yeah. No, I mean, that, that happens quite a bit. And, yeah. uh, you know, you always wish that you could invent some sort of machine 
Right. <laughs> or you could go and do that. <laughs> we right. actually invented a comedy sports game called What If. Okay. Where where we do that. I don't know if you've ever played that. It's uh it's one of those kind of rare, rarely played games, but you ask an audience member to tell you about a decision that they had to make, like a life altering decision. Okay. So, you know, so if if we were playing and it was me, I'd say, well, I had to decide whether to go to school in Los Angeles or whether to go to school in Wisconsin. Right. And you'd say, all right, what was your decision? And I'd say, well, I decided to go to school in Wisconsin. You say, all right, well, we're going to show you what would have happened if you had made the other decision. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's fun. And so in the scene, you know, I would do this quick, they do this quick little scene where I'm making this decision. Okay, I'm going to grad school in Los Angeles. And then for the next four minutes, everything just falls apart. (laughs) And my life gets worse and worse and worse. Right. And the way we used to play it originally was no matter what, it was a series of circumstances where you wound up in the very last scene in the electric chair. Oh, no. <laughs> you're like, I, I guess I made the wrong decision, you know, and that was it. So. <laughs> the electric chair? <laughs> the electric chair, or at the very least, you were in jail oh, no. with like three cellmates advancing on you. <laughs> And, and that's time. And, that was, and that's time. But if that's what was great. It was like, no matter what happens, we yeah. have to get to that point. So, right. That's great. Yeah. I think I've seen yeah. it once or played it once years ago. I was thinking yeah. of um, the other game when you started talking about that. Yeah, it, that could happen. Mm-hmm. You remember that yeah, one? That's, exactly. That one's rarely played, but that one's super fun, too. You want to talk about that? Yeah, well, that that one is a little bit different because you're just kind of getting hypothetical situations. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, And you say, you know, what if, you know, Eleanor Roosevelt had the ability to create buildings with her mind? Right. And then you say, yeah, that (laughs) could happen. And then you do a scene like that. Right. Yeah. It's a bunch of short scenes and you get just tons of suggestions at the start. Famous people, places, events. Yeah. That's a fun one, too. But both those kind of the same idea of, you know, what would have happened. Yeah. And that's, you know, what the the thing I loved about what if is that no matter what, Uh you're making the audience member feel like they made the right decision. Yes. You're validating their choice. That's lovely, Mm -hmm. isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, we can get into this in a little while, but that's that's what I love most about comedy sports, this particular format and the way we play it. Yeah. Well, tell me about San Jose starting San Jose. Comedy sports, not not the city of San Jose. Yeah. You started comedy sports in San Jose. <laughs> Tell me about that. Well, uh, you, you, yeah, you, you'd be surprised anytime someone writes a story on you. Somehow it comes out that you started either comedy sports or you invented improv. Right. You know, when you're, mis- <laughs> you're like, no, I never said, oh, it's out there. Now everyone believes eh, it. Whatever. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, so I, I was out here, you know, with this children's theater and I actually was in, uh, there were four of us mm-hmm. that had gone to Wisconsin together in graduate school that had become friends. Okay. Uh, two of us were in the uh, acting program. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one was in the costume design program and one was in the directing program. Okay. And the person in the directing program was Pat Short. Oh, sure. So we moved out here together because we all got hired by the same children's theater. And okay. so we moved out to San Jose and we found a four bedroom townhouse mm-hmm. and you know, we moved in and we were literally just all out of school and working professionally in theater, which was unbelievable. Yeah. And the even more unbelievable thing was our rent. Oh. So <laughs> the rent, the rent for the four bedroom townhouse was a thousand dollars a month. 
Okay. N- not not each. <laughs> I mean, for the whole thing. Yeah. So um, there were four bedrooms. One bedroom was a little bit bigger, and Pat said, "You know what? I'll I'll take the that bedroom, but I'll pay a little more." So he paid two sixty a month, and the rest of us were paying two forty a month <laughs> in rent. Okay. And. The interesting thing is that same townhouse. I, I live about now. I live about a, a mile or so from that same complex. Oh wow! And those those townhouses now are renting for about forty five hundred a yeah. month. <laughs> wow! Because things are so insane out here. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah, we we moved in together. Now um, Pat had he and I know he told you this. You know he had the opportunity to jump into comedy sports, but he was working on his master's degree at the time. And he just had too much going on. In so Madison, he couldn't come right. to those workshops. Yeah. And he probably told you this yeah. already that, you know, he, he came to that first show. <laughs> right. Yes. He told me that. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, now he had the opportunity, which was great. So, sure. we, you know, we moved out here together and it, from, from the beginning, it was going to be, all right, let's work on this. You know, I have all the artistic knowledge and uh, you know, how to do this, this show. But Pat also had just a great logical mind mm-hmm. as well, which really balanced me out. And so, you know, he helped me, we started going around looking for spaces, of course. And, you know, we didn't know then what we knew now, which is, you know, get your, try and get your own space because otherwise you have to deal with the people that are the owners of these restaurant banquet rooms. Right. And, uh, we had to deal with a lot of them. So yeah. <laughs> we, but the interesting thing was, you know, we'd, we'd walk in and I, I don't know how I did it. It was probably because, you know, I was 25, 26 years old. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> I couldn't do it now. There's no way I could do it now. But I walked in to a couple of different places mm-hmm. and I sold them on the idea of us doing a show mm-hmm. that didn't exist outside of Milwaukee and Madison hadn't been, we didn't even have, you know, performers yet. Right. And convinced them that it would be a great idea to give us their space (laughs) on, you know, Friday or Saturday night and we'll sell tickets and they'll take all the food and drink sales. Sure. And there'll be so many people coming that you'll, you'll make money on us. It'll be insane. Yeah. (laughs) You'll be, you'll be rich behind your wildest dreams. It'll be so amazing. Right. And, you know, I mean, this was a pattern that a lot of us went through, right? Sure. And so, you know, I still don't know how I convinced them because, <laughs> I mean, improv, if you said the word improv to anybody at the time, it was, oh, you mean like the stand-up club, the improv. Right. And that's only if they knew that. Right. Right. But yeah. you're trying to explain. So try to explain to them the concept of improv, then try to explain to them the concept of this show. Exactly. Yes. And, uh, so, I mean, we walked out of two or three places where they were like, yeah, no thanks. Yeah, and no. <laughs> we, we convinced this one, you know, place. It uh-huh. was a, a bar restaurant and they had like three banquet rooms and we convinced them to give us their space and we trained the people and then told them to bring all their friends. So, you know, opening night, we had 150 people show up. Right. That's great. And, you know, the owner of the restaurant was like, oh, this is so great. I'm so <laughs> glad you're here. You right. know, this is going to be terrific. And, you know, the next week, six people were there because, <laughs> exactly. you know, all of our friends came the first week. And right, they were like, coming oh, again. You're, you're coming next week, right? And they're like, it's the same show, right? No, it's, I mean, it's different. It'll be different. Yeah, I'll, I'll never mind. Right, so, no thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we had 150 or so at our first show. We had six at the second show. Mm, yeah. And then, 
you know, and then things started to, to slowly pick up. But, you know, within six weeks, uh, I get a phone call, you know, from the restaurant owner. Hey, can we talk? You know, come in. <laughs> They're not, we're not making enough money. They're not buying enough drinks. Well. Uh, we want to get a percentage of your door, too. Oh, and okay. you know, Pat and I were stomped, stormed out of there. Like, how dare you? We wouldn't pay rent on a space. You know, what kind of business decision is that? You know, you hear us say it, even saying it right now <laughs> right. sounds so ridiculous. You know? <laughs> what kind of a dumb business move would it be for me to rent a space? Come right. on, Are you insane! <laughs> I'll just find another person to give us one for free. <laughs> so, how many but, places do you think you did shows in before your uh, space now? Before, oh, well, before we found our first space that we we started renting, yeah. we were in ten different locations. Ten different locations. Ten locations in our first four and a half years. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, at one point, we were in two locations. One on no, actually three locations. Mm-hmm. One on Thursdays, one on Fridays, <gasps> one on Saturdays. Really? Yeah. Oh my god. And, yeah. And. Uh, at one of them, they actually let us build a little stage. Okay. Because we had to, because of the room, we had to be raised up to be seen. So right. we were, we were, didn't have a lot of money. So what we did was we built these little platforms, these like four by eight platforms. Mm-hmm. We had enough money to get the wood and we, one of the players had enough carpentry skills to be able to build it. And we found some old AstroTurf and stapled it down, you know, <laughs> to these platforms. Sure. We went, oh, well, how are we going to do this with, uh, you know, we we um, we gotta raise it up a little bit, and we came with the brilliant idea of using cinder blocks. Oh my god! So we went to the hardware store, and they were really cheap, and we got like a dozen cinder blocks. <laughs> so, <Okay. laughs> but every week at this one particular place, we had to set up the stage before the show and take it down afterwards. Right. And they had a storage shed behind the restaurant, okay. so we had to go out to the storage shed pick up these three heavy platforms, bring them in, and then carry cinder blocks into the place. (laughs) Set it up, do the show on a stage, which is like wobbling off of the cinder blocks, you know, be careful. And then at the end of the show, take everything down, bring it out to the storage shed, bring the cinder blocks out to the storage shed. You were probably in the best shape of your life doing that, lifting cinder blocks all the time. Yeah, I had no skin on my hands either, (laughs) you know. It's 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 only today that it's dawning on me that I could have worn gloves. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if only you saw a sign. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my god. So was it hard to get a following if you guys were in a different place Thursday, a different place Friday, a different place Saturday? Yeah. And, you know, we also, this was our way of communicating with our fans. We'd put up posters and flyers and tell people and tell them to tell people. And, you know, if if we had had the Internet, it would have been so much easier. Right. I wish we had it back then. <laughs> uh, but but we didn't. And uh, but, you know, that's that's really the most interesting thing is that, you know, with social media, we had social media then, I guess. It's it was just people talking to each other and telling people about it. Right. It just took longer because, yeah. you know, you couldn't tell a hundred people at once. You could tell yeah. one person. Yeah. Well, this but so- that's how we built it. It was word of mouth, almost entirely word of mouth. Right. I remember in Madison the social media or posting for the public was, you know, making flyers and stapling them on those weird cylinder things that were on every block. Remember those? 
Yeah, and then you had to go back the next week because someone had put up three posters yes. over your posters. <laughs> so you had to restaple every once in you a while. They restaple it. Yes, every once in a while, I remember they'd rip it all down, and then you'd look and be like, yeah. "Oh, that's what it looks like without posters all over it." Yeah, it was like four feet thinner yes. because of all the layers of posters. <laughs> yes, and there was also sidewalk chalking too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you try everything. I mean, it was basically guerrilla marketing. Yeah, yeah. So what do you think you did in San Jose that was a little bit different? What did you bring to comedy sports there that was a little bit different than what you learned in Madison? Well, you know, what's interesting was that everything that I did in undergraduate and graduate school, I didn't realize at the time, basically prepared me to become a a comedy sports player and director. Mm -hmm. You know, all the classes I took, um, you know, voice and movement and then, you know, just, just studying lighting and direction and everything just prepared me for that. But, you know, I, again, I basically followed the Milwaukee blueprint Mm -hmm. and Dick's blueprint. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for me, Dick's blueprint was he saw this great show that Keith Johnstone had created Mm -hmm. and then wanted to build on it. Yeah. You know, and I remember him telling me the story of, of him saying, you know, I, I want to have, um, you know, tur- it was Dick's idea. We're going to put artificial turf on the stage. We're actually going to be wearing uniforms. Yeah, right? he also uh, was on MC- a plane yeah. coming up with this idea. He was on a plane fly- flying back from Seattle. Came yes. up with this. Yep. In fact, what I the last time I I saw Dick a few months ago, we yeah. we compared those two stories, and really? I said, you know, I got hit with inspiration on a flight. Yes. As well. Yes. You know? Um. But so you know, he had all of all of those things to add to the show. Uh-huh. And I think what, what Pat and I worked on adding was the, the sense of, of building the excitement and not letting the energy drop at any point during the show. Mm-hmm. So I remember, you know, going to a big sports fan and going to any sporting event and there was always music playing, yeah. you know, while the ball players were warming up right. and in between innings, there was always something going on. So you know, one of our things was we're going to have, you know, just really exciting, high energy music playing mm-hmm. for uh, the pre-show. Okay. Right? Yeah. And, you know, Pat was in theater. I was in theater. And we always knew that, you know, depending on the mood you wanted to create, you would play certain music during the pre-show. You know, so right. if it's a, a, a really dramatic play, you know, it's really heavy. You're certainly not playing, you know, fun, upbeat, happy music <laughs> before. <laughs> right. <laughs> and if it's a comedy, you're not playing classical music and, <laughs> you know, light jazz before right. because you're trying to pump up the audience. So, exactly. you know, that was something that I, I don't, it, it wasn't our idea. Mm-hmm. Other people have been doing it in theater and events for years. We just wanted to bring it to the show and say, let's just play like really high energy, pump up, uh, you know, the all those pump up the jam, sure. jock jam CDs <laughs> sure. and everything. And we're jock just playing jams. all of that music before, you know, while the audience is coming in. Right. And then, you know, we had a keyboard player, but we also had someone on sound. And we were like, you know, every time, even when you're announcing, have music playing when you're announcing the score. Yeah. And, you know, the only time there's going to be silence is when we're on stage literally performing. And then as soon as we're done, as soon as the ref pulls the whistle and says time, bang, Boom. you know, there's more high energy music playing, you know, just like bumper music. Playing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I'm going to have to bring that to my classroom. Sometimes it's hard to motivate teenagers. Maybe I got to start playing <laughs> <Exactly>. music. <laughs> I do get on the yeah. table occasionally and sing and dance just to try to wake them up. But I like that idea of adding music to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, Pat 
Pat is a musician as well. So, yes. I mean, we were using his wealth of knowledge yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's and, great. And, uh, you know, I mean, we just, we, we fit together really well because uh, Pat didn't mind playing the bad cop. Oh, okay. And and I loved playing the good cop. So, okay. <laughs> I mean, that's how how we kind of ran the team together. Pat was functioning on the business side and would do the yeah. scheduling and the lineups. I would do the training of the the players and the games and focus on the artistic side. And then we'd play good cop, bad cop. Okay. And, you know, we made a very effective team. Yeah. And, uh, and we just, I love just dissecting the show and taking it apart. So okay. I don't know if Pat told you this, but, you know, at our shows in San Jose, when we first started, we would do the show and then, Pat and I would go back to our place and we would stay up till two, three in the morning, just mm-hmm. dissecting the show and analyzing what we thought worked and what didn't work. Yeah. And we were just so into the idea of making sure that we made all of these adjustments so that the next show was even better. Oh, okay. Now, how did you do notes? How do you handle notes in San Jose? Do you have them? Do you run them with your players after a show? Yeah. Well, yeah. And Again, that just came from my theater background. You know, I was just used to doing notes after a play. You know, you'd sit down with the director after you'd finish a performance and the director would give you notes. And I just brought that to the team from the beginning. Um, It was pretty easy at the beginning because when we first started, probably 90% of our first 12 players were also actors. Okay. And it was easy with notes for them because they were used to getting notes. Sure. So they were familiar with it. After their shows. Yeah. Okay. Uh, But... Six weeks into our initial run, half of our players got cast in a play. Oh, no. (laughs) And they were just gone. They were like, we'll be back in two months, you know, when we're done with the play. Right. And Pat and I had to scramble to find other players. And we, I realized at the time that if I relied totally on actors, if they were good enough to be in comedy sports, they were also good enough to be cast in other things. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. So I'm just I'm going to lose them. So I had to start looking for people that weren't actors to mix in. And how did you find them? It was mostly at the beginning. It was just friends of the the players in the show. Okay. You know, I said, who do you know that you, you know, you hang out with that's just fun and funny and you think could do this? Yeah. Okay. And then we started doing actual workshops, you know, where we started training people. Yeah. And. You know, now we're at the point where I'd say maybe, maybe 10% of our team are actors. Oh, okay. 90% or not. Yeah, yeah. And what's your philosophy when you're teaching people improv? What are you looking for? What are you trying to express to them about this whole crazy thing we do? (laughs) Well, that's, you know, for me, this is a skill set that anyone can learn and anyone can get better at. Okay. Not everyone's going to have that last bit of talent that will make them a professional comedy sports player. Sure. But I look at it in the same way. You know, like I said, I've grown up playing sports and um, I'll use golf as an example. I enjoy playing golf. Uh I can take lessons. I have taken lessons. I've gotten better. I can take if I take lessons for the next five years, I will get much, much, much better. In fact, I'll probably become as good as I can be. Sure. But I will never be a professional golfer. I just don't have that whatever it is yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would make me a professional golfer. I wanted to be a baseball player growing up. Hmm. I still I still do, actually. If I get an offer now, Christine, I would be <laughs> off this phone immediately and on, on, a, on a plane. But, I'm done. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm out of here. <laughs> Leave this nonsense behind. Right, this craziness. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, but you know, as a kid, I practiced and practiced and practiced and I got better and better and better, but I was never going to be a professional baseball player, uh-huh. you know, and I, I played ball with guys that, you know, some of them became, got, got to the minor leagues. Right. Okay. And, but it never made it to the major leagues though. But even these guys that got to the minor leagues, there was just something about it. They could throw the ball yeah. harder than I could. You know, yeah. I would throw the ball as hard as I could and they would throw the ball and it would just look like they were throwing it nice and easy. And the ball was going faster than me throwing it as hard as I could. Yeah. Yeah. There's just something about their build, their makeup, their talent. They just have that talent to be able to do it. But sure. I, I apply that to improv too. I think you can get to be much, much better at improv and really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And some people will find that they do have that hidden talent. Sure. And that's one of the most enjoyable things for me is seeing somebody in the level one class, because I always teach the beginner class. Okay. And then watching them go through that journey and make that discovery at some point. And, you know, the light turns on and they just, they get it. Yes. And they're able, able to do it. Yes, for sure. So now what do you do when you, Jeff Kramer, have a bad show, like a show you're not quite feeling, your energy's not there? How do you snap yourself out of it? I like that you were saying you and Pat Short decided to keep the energy up the entire time in the show with certain tricks with music and everything. But how do you lift yourself up? How do I lift myself up? Yeah. Let's see. Last week, you want me to talk about last week or the week before or the week before that? <laughs> Four <laughs> weeks ago is what I want to hear. <laughs> exactly. I'll tell you that well, I mean, so early on, I put a lot of pressure on myself yeah. that I always had to have good shows because mm-hmm. I was the only one that had ever played comedy sports before when we first started here. Oh, sure. And so I, I had to be you know, in the middle of every scene and do all of the the heavy lifting. And there was a lot of pressure. Yeah. And I quite often felt like I would have a bad show, but I couldn't let anyone know that I thought I had a bad show. Right. Because I thought I was, you know, I'm having to set this example of, no, you get to this level and you're always at this level. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, But, you know, as I, as, as the players got better and then got to my level and Mm -hmm. then passed me. Yeah. Uh, it it began to dawn on me that, well, A, it's not all about me. And B, the great thing about doing this is I don't have to be on in order for comedy sports to be great. Hmm. All I have to do is recognize where I am right there at that moment. And then it's just a matter of switching up my contribution to the show. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's all about leading and following, right? Mm-hmm. So... Um, you know, I mean, there's when I was uh, acting and I still do. But, you know, if if I have a big role in a show and I have an off night, that absolutely affects the entire play. Yeah. The entire performance. Right. If I have an off night in comedy sports. Yeah. It has no effect on the show. <sighs> right. None whatsoever. Yeah. And the best part is nobody in the audience knows when I have a bad show. Sure. You're Only right. I know. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Cause you're holding yourself up to a standard. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it from when, when you're on stage, you know, nights when it's clicking and sure. you know, nights when it's a struggle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm sure you do this too. You just adapt and change up what you're going to do in the show that night. Right. So if you don't feel it, then you just go, well, who is feeling it? Okay. You know, it's like basketball, you know, mm-hmm. someone's hot one night, get them the ball. Right. So on nights when I'm hot, 
they get me the ball. And on the other 90% of the shows, I'm looking to pass the ball (laughs) to the person that's hot. Well, you you have to be very unselfish to think that way. And that's hard for some people to think that, like, I'm not doing well. I'm going to pass it to the person who's getting more laughs. That's, But that's important when you're doing these kinds of shows. Yeah, and I, and I think that can be trained okay. as well. Yeah. I, 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 it does take a talent to do it and get better at it, but yeah. I think that that's something that's easily trained. You should easily be able to see mm-hmm. who's on. Right. It's just a matter of adjusting your ego. Yeah, yeah. And if you're in a company of people, though, that's really tight knit and collaborative and admires each other's talents, then it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Right? I know that when I'm on, I will get the ball. Yeah. That's good. If I'm confident of the people around me. Right. Right. And that's yeah. that's another thing I love about comedy sports. Is, yeah. You know, this this collaborative, this is a group of people that respect each other, mm-hmm. respect each other's talents, and are able to see that and you know, if someone has friends or family that are in the audience at the show, mm-hmm. you know, it's, well, A, you're captaining tonight, right? Right. right. We want you to look good. And B, we're going to make you look good yeah, in front of sure. your friends and family. Yeah. Doesn't matter. And in fact, it doesn't even matter it, whether right. you are on or not. We're going to make it look like you're on. Right. <laughs> we will We will set you up yeah. to, to be able to do that. In fact, we're going to play all of the games that you're really strong at tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we take care of each other. We do that, and so it starts with someone's very first show. Yeah. So I'm I'm sure you've seen that too in Milwaukee. You know, when when someone's in their first match here, yeah. in San Jose, it's a big deal. It's a big event. Oh yeah. It's exciting. You know, there's new energy coming onto the team. Right. And we set the whole show up around them. We say, "What's your favorite opening round game?" Yes. You know, I, I really like playing What Are You Doing? Okay, we're playing What Are You Doing yeah, tonight. let's do it, yeah. All right, it's time for the team choice game. What is your absolute favorite comedy sports game to play? You know, oh, I, I like uh, Day in the Life. Okay, we're playing Day in the Life. Yeah. All right, head-to-head game. What's your favorite head-to-head game, right? And so on. So that the whole show is nothing but comfortable for them. And right. it gives them that boost. And we're literally setting them up in their first show for success. Now, isn't it great, though? You know, I mean, it's just such a family. It's such a support system. Yeah. And it's something where when we're looking for players, that intangible for me is over and above talent. Right. Talent is not the first thing we're casting for. It's in a a very important part of it. But I know this has happened in other cities, too. We've turned away a lot of really talented people. Mm-hmm. super talented people. They look great in workshop. Oh, they are brilliant at doing this. Yeah. But they don't pass the, would you have them over at your house for a party test? Right. right. <laughs> right. I mean, that's, that's what it is. When yeah. we're looking at someone, we're like, okay, can you picture yourself being really comfortable being around them at a social event, having that at your house mm-hmm. for a, a, a party? Right. Right? And yeah. if the answer is no, then... They might, That's it. Yeah, they're not a good teammate then, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I would much. I would take a team of people with less talent any day <sighs> over an extremely talented group of people that can't play together. Yeah, you're right. You know, what what kind of show is that? Yeah, it's yeah, it's not a comfortable one. That's for sure. I've seen those shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not at, not at comedy sports, but you know, other other groups, whether it's improv or plays, you know, you can tell when the people don't get along. 
Yeah. Yeah. You can feel it. Yeah. 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 Um, not, not so much in plays because, you know, if you're good actors, then no one knows that you hate the person that you're playing <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <off> stage with, <laughs> Right. you know, and, um, you know, I, 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 this semester I was teaching a, a film class and we were, uh, showing, uh, one of them, I was some like it hot. Right. Okay. And it's, it's Tony Curtis and Marilyn Monroe. Yes. And they're doing these steamy, steamy love scenes. And, you know, it's, it's Marilyn Monroe. And, you know, I told the students afterwards, by the way, did you know that Tony Curtis hated working with her? Uh, she was late three hours every day to the set and yeah. he couldn't stand her attitude and he just despised working with her. And they're like, what? It's like, <laughs> you can't tell when you watch the movie, can you? You're like, no, it looks like he's really hot for her. It's like, that's acting. <laughs> that's acting. The end. <laughs> But it, it, it doesn't work in improv. Yeah, you're right. It, re- it really does. It works to a certain extent. Yeah. But, you know, but that that trust level yes. has to be there and the ability to recognize when to get somebody the ball and to get them the ball and not, yeah. you know, we, we pass the ball to each other. We don't step in front and intercept the ball. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's Those are great insights. What um, is a strength you think that you bring to a show? What do you feel really confident about when you're performing? Well, it, so my answer is different today than it would have been, you know, <laughs> 10, 15, 20 years ago. Sure. Um, but I, 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 what I bring to this show, I think, is basically what I told you about is that I, I know what my abilities are mm-hmm. on any given night and I can recognize it kind of early okay. and decide what my role is going to be that night. Yeah. And, you know, my, my role as a player is very different when I'm playing here in San Jose. Because I'm also, you know, the artistic director and right. basically everybody's boss. too. <laughs> right. So my role is very different when I'm playing here as opposed to when I'm playing as a guest or as a, at a, or at a championship, you know, in another city. Um, those I'm way more relaxed. <laughs> I actually <laughs> tend to play much more consistently when I'm there because I'm going, oh, this is so great. I'm not worried about how many tickets we sold or what I'm going to say to somebody and notes afterwards, I'm just going to go out and have fun and enjoy playing with these people. Right. And I'm much more, much more relaxed. So, um, so I guess it's just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at things from the player perspective, but I'm also looking at things from the audience perspective. Okay. And again, that's what I think is something that separates comedy sports from every other improv show that's out there mm-hmm. is that it is 100% focused on the fans Yes, from the time they walk in the door to yeah. the time we're high-fiving them afterwards. Right. And everything is about that. So um, I've taught our players to do what we call calling an audible. You know, in, in football, you know, it's you call a play, you come up to the line, the quarterback looks at the defense and goes, oh, no, th- that play is not going to work with the way they are lined up. Mm-hmm. So you at the line, call a different play. Oh, it's okay. Called, right. And yeah. so you call it calling an audible because that's when the quarterback starts yelling different words and numbers at the rest of his teammates, which yeah. is code for we're changing it to this play. Right. Oh my God. So, stop. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, that is something that I, I think I bring is that ability to read the audience quickly and yeah. decide that we need to shift 
how we're playing that night or what we're playing really specifically yeah. to that crowd. Well, that's so, important. That's important being able to read the crowd. You know, it's it's very important because it's about the crowd. And some people don't pick up on that, that, yeah, it's about the crowd's experience and we want them to have fun. So what's their energy? What can we do with these people tonight versus the, you know, the crowd that's coming in tomorrow? Right. And, you know, you had your heart set on playing a game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's if if you're ever going to make me angry <laughs> as a director, yeah, the uh, having a bad show never makes me angry. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, uh, making a weird uh, decision in a scene is not going to ever make me angry because it happened in the moment. So how can sure. I blame you for something that you just reacted to? Right. Yeah. If, uh, obviously, if you had the time to think about it, you wouldn't do it that way. But if you want to really get me mad, <laughs> it's. You decide, let's say, for instance, um, oh, we're, I want to we're, we're going to play Shakespeare tonight. OK. Right. And don't get me wrong. I've I've acted in a lot of Shakespeare. I love improvised Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah. And you you go out into the crowd and you realize that. There's 25 people there for a kid's 13th birthday party. <laughs> and, you know, there's also a, a motorcycle gang that bought a bunch of tickets. <laughs> right. That's a good show. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. But you go out there and you play, you know, the first game, whatever yeah. it was. Right. And the crowd doesn't, you know, react as, as big as you wanted them to. Right. And you go up and you say, and now we're going to play Shakespeare. Oh. Right? <laughs> I can feel that, it already. If you, want, if you want to make me angry, that's what you do. <laughs> And that's when I will get, you'll see steam coming out of my ears. Right. <laughs> so no. I'll go, you absolutely were not thinking about this particular audience. You played Shakespeare because you, you wanted want, to play yes, you to satisfy to. your own ego and desires. Yes. And the show is not about you. Right. It's well, not. You know, that's some people, though, honestly, don't think that way. So it's good that. You know, you can bring that to the show. That's very important that at least one person can bring that to the show. But hopefully, (laughs) hopefully everybody would be on the same page and not opting to play Shakespeare during that particular show. No, I mean, it's, you know, yes, you can be faulted and say, well, you never take enough risks. I'm like, okay. Yeah, well. You know, someone years ago did accuse me of that saying, we're not, we need to take more risks in the show. (laughs) I said, uh, what do you do for a living? <laughs> you know, and they said, oh, I, I work at, uh, you know, I work at the Apple store. I go, you know, I think you should start selling PCs. <laughs> and they're like, what are you talking about? Well, come on. Take, why aren't you taking a risk? Take some risks. Take man. some risks. You're yeah. not going to grow. What's, what's the point of taking a risk? And, and I think that's when the point at least starts to begin to dawn on them. <laughs> like, well, we can't, we can't do that. Why? Well, because it would ruin our business. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) End scene. End scene. (laughs) So what do you think um, San Jose brings to a championship? What do you guys do? Like, I always reference that um, Milwaukee, we don't tend to do a lot of musical games right now. We don't have anyone on keys. And some cities do a lot of musical games. So what do you think San Jose does um, that brings to championships? Well, uh, it doesn't change, at least my attitude when we go to championships, is it's still about the crowd that's out there. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that we add in is it's also about the team that we're currently playing. Yeah. So, for instance, um, you know, one year we'll be playing a team and it's a brand new city. 
right? It's their mm-hmm. first match at championship. Yeah. And so our attitude going in is, what are your favorite games to play? Yeah. That's what we're going to play. Mm-hmm. Because again, it's not about us. Sure. You know? It's both teams have to play well in order to to have the best match. Right. And if you're playing a, a game out of your comfort zone that you really don't feel comfortable playing in front of a couple hundred people in a different city, yeah. why would we why would we do that? Right. Right? Yeah. It happened to us the very first championship. Oh no, it did. <laughs> maybe, that, maybe that's a reason why I do it that way. <laughs> because of what happened to us. Because you've been burned. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got burned a whole bunch of times the first three or four years. Oh no. Right. So, you know, the first ever championship, who do we play? Milwaukee. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and it's it's at the, what is it, the Todd Weir Theater. Okay, right. You know, which was in there, with 300 people in there. Yeah. Right? And, uh, you know, we come running out. Here's San Jose. You hear the sound of crickets. Here's Milwaukee. <laughs> Everyone's out of their seats screaming and yelling. Right? right. So that's that's how the match started <laughs> for us. Right? <laughs> And so we go out there and, and Dick is playing and Bob Orvis is playing and it's Bo Johnson. And, you know, I know all these guys, but our players are literally shaking, you know? Yes. And we go up for the, you know, the challenge round and they go, um, all right. Um, they, they challenge us to a game that nobody on our team has ever heard of before. Oh, boy. And I had played it once. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember the name of the game. Um, it'll, it'll come to me. But the, the essence is it's a naive game. You leave the room. Mm-hmm. They get different locations. You come back in, and the ref tells you what your location is. Okay. And Oh, Mystery Wear. That was the name oh, of the game. Oh, okay, yeah. Mystery Wear. So we come back in and the ref whispers to me, you know, you're in a laundromat. Okay. And they whisper in the ear of the other player, you know, you're on an airplane. Yeah. So the other player, you're in a playground. And the other person says, you're at the Battle of Waterloo. Right? Okay. <laughs> now go, play a scene. And, you know, you're trying to drop clues as to where you are sure. and also keep a scene going. And then at the end, everybody tries to guess everybody's location. Right. And so we went out and played this game. And not only did we do perhaps the worst scene ever done in the history of comedy sports, (laughs) (laughs) and I had a, I will raise my hand and say I played a big part in that. Oh, boy. Um, And then we were 0 for 4 (laughs) in our guesses. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So that was, that was our experience in our first championship, right? Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, for me. I don't want anyone else to ever go through that again, especially at their first championship. So it's the same thing as someone playing their first show. What are your favorite games? What do you want to play? Well, that's what we're going to play. Yeah. If it's a city that's been around for a while or especially a city that we've played with before, Uh then we just have a lot of fun. We go, all right, let's do this. Let's do that. Hey, do you want to take a chance and, you know, make up a game? You know, sure. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Right. And it's a different type of event, a different type of show. It depends on who we're playing. Uh So I I think that's what we bring to championship is just that idea of let's focus on trying to make this like a home show, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're taking care of the audience. We're taking care of each other. Yeah. So now what though, you have to have a favorite game. What's your favorite game? Oh yeah. Yeah. What is it? Well, I have several and they've changed over the years, but, um, 
the first game that I really fell in love with was Five Things. Okay, yeah. Uh, Dick showed us that in like our first workshop, and for whatever reason, I just loved that game. <laughs> I loved giving clues. So you like to give the clues. Game. You don't like to guess. You like to give them. Well, yes. And so what happened was I loved giving clues so much the first time that I just kept doing it. Okay. And then the entire time. And then we also had some people that were really great at guessing in Madison. Okay. Great guessers. So they would guess. I was always giving clues. Yeah. Always. Came out to San Jose, showed everybody the game. Yeah. And went, well, I have to give, I have to be the clue giver on my team when we do it because nobody's played this game before. And it's deadly <laughs> if, the, if you're not giving good clues and they don't get any of them, right? <laughs> yeah. So I did that. And I one night someone said, hey, why don't you guess? And it dawned on me that I had never guessed in never. five things. Never. Never. Oh. Never. And I went, uh, no, that's okay. You, you guess. You're good at it. Uh, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> an, another year went by because I went, I I'm the everybody's director. I can't go out there and just not guess any of them. How would that look to everybody? <laughs> you know, they look up to me. I can't do that. So another year went by. Yeah. <laughs> and I still didn't guess because <laughs> now I was petrified <laughs> oh, no. that I wouldn't be able to do it. Right. Um, and the only way I got better at guessing was uh, Kurt Scholler and I spent six weeks in Club Med. Oh, okay, sure. Uh, we went there on a romantic getaway. I, no, we yeah. went there because comedy sports had a gig. <laughs> I heard it was lovely. <laughs> yeah, oh, it was. Uh, well, and, Kurt, come on. You can't yeah, get better yeah, than that. <laughs> exactly. We've been close ever since. I love uh, him. <laughs> yeah. No, but we went there because we comedy sports got hired to be at these various club meds right. teaching improv to yeah, guests. Yeah, right. So at one point, we were, they needed people to stay there for a while. This was like a year long thing. Oh, wow. So they looked for performers who could go down there for six to eight weeks at a time. Nice. And do that. And so that's really where I first met Kurt and uh, uh, Jim McDonald, mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Jim. We were all single and had time. And so Kurt and I were there together for six weeks. And Five Things was one of the games that they loved to see in performance. We had to do a little mini performance every night. Right. Okay. And so five to six days a week for six weeks, Kurt and I would play five things mm -hmm. and one of us would give clues and the other one would guess. Yeah. And so I guessed a lot. Nice. And nobody knew me down there. So, you know, I could fail. Right. Who cares? <laughs> <Not worth it. laughs> who cares? But by the time I came back, I went, all right, I think I could do this in a show. Sure. That but it was just practice. Yeah, so practice. Six, you know, six weeks, five days a week of practice and guessing. Right. <laughs> and, and even then, I will still tell you that that's my biggest weakness. Um, in you know how sometimes you know people will guess all five things. Yes. So I've been playing comedy sports now for thirty-five years, uh -huh. and I've guessed all five things twice. Nah. Oh, okay. All right. Well, you know. <laughs> Two times. <laughs> there you go. Well, you know, I used to be good at guessing. But the older I get, and I've had two children now, I feel like, I don't know if you've heard of pregnancy brain, which I always thought was, <laughs> you know, like that forgetfulness when you're pregnant. And I thought it would come right. back after you gave birth. And my doctor laughed at me and she said, oh, no, you'll never get that back. <laughs> and so my, Isn't that nice to hear? <laughs> oh, my God. I feel like I lost so many brain cells just having children. <laughs> and now I've tried to guess again. And it is so 
terrifying because I feel like as yeah. soon as I guess something like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm bowling. The second I think it in my head, it falls. It just slips away. And then I can't yep. remember. And I start to panic because I just my memory is so shot now, I feel like. So I'm better at giving the clues I, now. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm like that, too. But, you know, that's another thing where you're either on or you're not. Right. Yeah. Um, so whether you're guessing in five things or whether you're guessing in a game like uh, debate or home shopping, you know, where people are giving you pantomime clues. Right. And I have no idea what will happen from night to night with me with that. I have not ever gotten to a point where I go, I'm consistent with that. Uh-huh. So there are some nights where I'll come out there and someone will just put a hand up and I'll go, oh, you're water skiing. I get it. Like it's, it's just, it crystallizes in my mind. I can see exactly what you're trying to pantomime to me. Right. And then the very next time I guess I'll go out there and you will do this absolutely perfect clue with brilliant mime that a professional mime would go, oh, I need you in my performing company. And I look at you and all I see is you waving your arms in the air. I have no idea. You're done. It's lost. It's, <laughs> I, it's, it's gone. I, I haven't gotten it from the beginning. <laughs> um, but, you know, something that I have gotten better at over the years is recognizing that early. And then, again, just making the adjustment. And I go, OK, well, I'm not going to be getting any of these things tonight. Right, so I'm now <laughs> I have to just turn this into something funny and entertain the audience for the next three to four minutes. <laughs> right. Right. Because, again, it's it's not about me. It's, you know, and I can let that that I can let go. I can let go of the fact that I just didn't see any of the clues tonight. You did. You probably did amazing clues. I just didn't see it. So now I'm going to do funny things to keep the crowd entertained (laughs) (laughs) until the ref mercifully blows the whistle (laughs) and does that. But it can be great. I have seen shows with other players that did that, too. I've seen shows where players got zero out of the five things and people in the audience came up and said, I've watched comedy sports for 10 years. That's the best five things I've ever seen. Yes, totally. Which only (laughs) goes to your point that it's about the crowd. It's the audience enjoying themselves. It's not about the players or getting them correct. You're right. I know. I've seen that too. Where the person's trying their best to get it and they just can't get it. It's funnier than, yeah, it's funnier than when the other team got them. Right. But they will also pick up on you if you look frustrated that you're not getting them. For sure. Yes. The audience will pick up on that. So yes. it's just a matter of you recognize, all right, I'm not getting these things tonight. So now my role is to entertain the audience right. for the next four minutes. <laughs> right now I got to I'm going to switch gears now because I'm not guessing yeah. these. Yep. For sure. Yeah, but I, I think the whole point of, of doing comedy sports is learning how to switch gears. Yeah, you're right. And it's it's helpful in life, right? Do you notice that improv has helped you throughout your life, not just on stage? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, it's helped me with that. It's helped me with, you know, my relationship with my wife. Sure. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> I recognize much earlier now, you know, how she's feeling or what she's doing and how I need to adjust. <laughs> does, she, does she do improv? No. Okay. Um, but – uh, you know, but she's she's very, very funny. And that's, you know, one of the things that attracted me. Sure, to her. sure. Um, but I, I met her because she decided to take an improv class. OK, um, she had just gone through a divorce and she was just feeling down. And uh-huh. her brother had seen comedy sports before and said, hey, you should go and see the show. Yeah. So she saw the show and decided to take an improv class. And guess who her teacher was? Oh, was it you? No, um, but was, after I was killed Schiller. that guy, I killed that guy, and then I was no, it was me. Um, 
Very nice. And but again, that's Dick Chud now changed my entire life. Right. Yeah. If I hadn't done comedy sports, I wouldn't have met Cindy. Exactly. And so it, it literally changed the entire trajectory of my life. Yes. Now, where did non-dairy come from? Your nickname? <laughs> uh, you know, I always wanted a great nickname. And in Madison, I was the only person on the team. I couldn't come up with a nickname. I thought of nicknames for other people. Everyone else had these great nicknames <laughs> yeah. in Madison. You know, Mike Rock was Mike Rolling Rock. I was like, ah, oh, that's so great. <laughs> oh, it's a beer, and it's you know, it's party, and and you know, there was Pat Walsh, who was another brilliant comedy sports player in Madison, was Pat Patrick Wise Guy Walsh, you know, and it just fit his personality and everything. Um, you know, Dick's nickname was Tuna. Tuna, yes. And, yeah, and I was like, oh, that's so funny. All right, I got to think of a funny nickname. Funny nickname. I could not come up with one. Never came up with that. The best I came up with in Madison was The Tamer, and that was just because it rhymed. <laughs> That's pretty bad. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it was awful. I could not, never could. And it, was, it would always bother me. And then one day I was doing a show, a play, just with a, a friend of mine who was just like a, a, you know, another just kind of funny guy. He didn't do improv, but he was just a funny guy. And we would do bits like we would pretend to be sports announcers, mm-hmm. you know, and call people up. And one day he goes, and here he is, Jeff Non-Dairy Kramer. <laughs> and I went, that's brilliant. That's it. See, you can't give That's yourself it. a nickname. Others give you the nickname. Yeah. yeah. Unless you're a brilliant improviser and very creative. <laughs> you can come up with your own name. But for me, someone else had to do it. Someone else does it right. Well, we're going to yeah. start wrapping things up. But before we do, I have uh, a couple games here I want to play with you. Real quick, a would you rather question. All right. I'm going to okay, have what? you pick a number between one and 3,000. Really? Yeah. Okay. I got a list. Uh, of them. The number, the number twenty four ninety nine just popped into my head. Oh, so then it's meant to be. It's a sign, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> just popped into my head. All right, twenty four ninety nine. I don't understand it. I don't know what this says. Would you rather do the whip? <laughs> the Would you rather? I don't get it. Would you rather do the whip nene or gangum style dance every time someone says your name? Gingham, Gingham, Whip Nene. Oh, okay. I don't G- even know. Gangnam Style, yeah. How and do you what? not know these things, I know. Christine? I've heard They're... of that one, but what's Whip Nene? The Whip and the Nene. <laughs> oh, that cleared it up for me. <laughs> you never heard the song? No. Now watch me whip, now watch me Nene. <laughs> no. Oh, well, get on Christine. I'm sorry. Christine. I'm clearly very, very not Get on cool. YouTube. Oh, I mean, my God. Yeah. Well, that's that's I mean, that's something else about doing comedy sports. You know, um, it's having to keep up on pop culture. Oh, really? Yes, I know. And, and all these things. Yes. Um, so whether you're good at it or not, like, you know, when twerking was all the rage. Um, <laughs> do you know, I, I actually had I, I hurt myself twerking in a show once because the audience wanted we, we got five points from the ref. If we twerked for 30 seconds, because we were losing by like 100 points that night. 100? Wow. Yeah. And so I, I had to go to the chiropractor because my back started killing me. Yeah. I did something to my back. And he said, how did you do it? And I said, well, it's uh, it's kind of an embarrassing story. And the chiropractor said, look, I've been a chiropractor for 20 years. I've heard every possible story. There's nothing you can tell me. I said, all right, I was doing an improv show and we got 10 points if we twerked for 30 seconds. And he went, he paused for it and he went, Okay, you're now my number one story. Okay, you win. (laughs) You win. Never heard that before. All right. Um, I would do the Gangnam style dance. Okay. 
And that's only because it used to be for a while when it was really, really popular, we made it into an ending. Oh, there you go. Okay. Well, yeah. I'll have to look up the other one because I have no idea what whip name is. All right. Yeah. You, no, you have to. Yeah. In fact, it was. It, it became so big that I went to see Bruce Springsteen. Shut up. He did not do one it. Year. Uh, I've seen Bruce Springsteen like twenty times. No, but uh, you're going to tell me he did whip Nene. He he. When he does uh, um, dancing in the dark, he always brings an audience member up on stage to dance with him. Right. And he got this like 14 year old girl uh-huh. to come up on stage and dance with him. And she started doing the whip and the nay nay. And he recognized it <laughs> and and tried to do it too. Well, I'm obviously so. not as cool as Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> well, none of, none of us are. So don't worry about no that. No idea. <laughs> All right. Last game, real quick before we head out the game sure. of what if, Jeff Kramer, I want you to tell me what if you went to USC? If I went to USC, yeah. uh, I would have studied acting. They would have pushed me into getting away from theater and just trying to audition for movies. Mm-hmm. I would have gone to a million auditions, but I wouldn't have been talented enough to get in one. Mm-hmm. And then I finally would have taken a role in a low-budget movie. Mm. And while we were in the middle of filming it, the cops would have come crashing through the door Uh-oh. because we were in an illegal area. Oh, boy. And I would have tried to run ah. because I was just terrified of yeah. what was going on. And right. they would have tackled me thinking that I was fleeing the scene of a crime. And they would have thrown me in jail. Oh, boy. And then while I was in jail, one of my prison cellmates <laughs> shanked one of my other cellmates, oh, no. hid, the knife, hid the knife under my bed. And then they found it and blamed me, and I got the electric chair. Oh, <laughs> man. You weren't kidding. That was rough. <laughs> I'm telling you, everything ends with dying in the electric chair. Oh, man. Well, <laughs> if you make the wrong decision. So. I have to tell you, I am so glad they served you that cheese on the plane that day because me too. <laughs> that has really helped the entire yeah. improv scene. And I appreciate all the. You've insight. been talking to nobody right now. <laughs> I would just be like talking to myself, which is yeah, pretty much what I do. Nobody, <laughs> nobody on the other end of the phone. So. <laughs> well, thank you so much for doing this today, Jeff. I appreciate it. I'd love to talk to you again sometime. This has really been fantastic. Well, thanks, Christine. I had a blast, too. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you. And I'm so glad you didn't sizzle in the electric chair. Jeff Kramer, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> The Comedy Sports Podcast is produced and engineered by Kyle Hannigan. Our announcer is PJ Rodwell. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Send us your favorite Would You Rather question at the Comedy Sports Podcast at gmail.com. As always, I'm Christine Rolo Capriolo. Catch you next time. Comedy Sports Podcast is an independent production made by CSC players. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast host and any guests are their own and do not represent the views and opinions of any CSE location or CSE worldwide. Vocabulary used by the host and guests is not necessarily representative of the CSE brand.